0: This morning, we're going to hear Jesus pray. And uh, so John chapter 17 is, uh, is an opportunity for us to learn from Jesus uh, like somebody sits and just observes another person, uh, not necessarily being taught by that person directly, but the way you might just watch a person to learn from him or her, uh, we have that kind of opportunity here with Jesus to hear how he prays, uh, how it is that Jesus speaks to his Father, uh, our Father. So uh, that's what we're going to do this morning is, uh, is read John chapter 17, and then we're going to focus on a particular part of it, uh, the kind of the last part of this prayer. Uh, so just as we normally do, uh, I'll read this passage out loud, uh, John chapter 17. And then uh, once I've read it out loud, if you follow along with that, then we will pray and ask God just for some help uh, for this time. So John chapter 17. uh, If you're kind of new to the Bible, by the way, uh, there's a stack of them back in the back corner of the room. If you didn't bring one with you today, uh, you can use one of those and you could even take it home with you and just have it. Uh, And so John, the book of John is in the New Testament, Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you see Acts or Romans, then you've gone a little too far. So John chapter 17, let's read. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you've given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Thank you that you've given it to us as a gift of your grace. This morning, Lord, we are gathered here in Jesus' name and we have purpose, we have goals, we have desires this morning. More than just to uh, meet in a room together, sing some songs, hear some opinions, and then go our separate ways. Lord, we wanna be taught by you, the true and living God. We wanna know the truth. We wanna be steeped in it so that we would be transformed, so that we would be unified, so that we would experience your love and be your love to the world and to each other. We understand this morning that in order for these goals, these purposes to be attained, it will take a miraculous work of your Holy Spirit in us, a work of your Spirit through us, between us, that we would learn from you as you speak, as you open our ears to hear. So please do no less than a mighty work of your own power to glorify your name this morning. We ask for it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this prayer, uh, often called the high priestly prayer, uh, Jesus being the great high priest that we have, uh, not like priests who have to come every year offering sacrifices for the sins of the people, but one who offered his own self as a sacrifice once for all, that all who trust in him would be cleansed by his blood, forgiven of their sins. He is the great high priest. And here he is interceding as a priest on behalf of his people, his church. Now this is coming uh, the very night that he was betrayed and handed over to be crucified. He wasn't crucified until the next morning, but this was kind of the beginning of the end of Jesus's earthly ministry. That's why he says, I am no longer in the world. There in, uh, let's see, where where are we? Verse 11, I am no longer in the world. He says that because he's just about to leave the world. And of course we know he's gonna be raised from the dead and he's gonna reveal himself to hundreds of people. Uh, Most of all his Disciples, his apostles, and send them on this mission to go make disciples. But here he is, kind of a final time spent in solitude with his father, praying and, and seeking blessing and glory and power for his church, uh, but not just for the sake of the church, but for the sake of God's name in them. And there's some, uh, obviously, way too much this morning for us to unpack in this entire chapter, this entire high priestly prayer. Uh, But I, I will point out to you that the very, the first part of this where he's praying for them all the way up through verse 19, he's praying for his disciples that he had been walking with for a few years. The ones that he had said, come follow me, and they did. And they had continued to believe in him and grow in belief in him while many others fell away and couldn't accept his teaching. These had stayed with him and so he prayed for them. But then here in verse 20, you see that he begins to pray for a different group. He says, I do not ask for these only, these disciples that I now have, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now, of all the things that we could learn this morning, there's just a few things that I, I, I've kind of set as goals for us. And God can do what he wants in your heart, obviously. But as far as my goals, it starts with learning this one particular thing just from verse 20. Jesus prayed for you. Jesus himself prayed for you. Now, I know a lot of godly people and people that I know really love me and really care for me and have even paid a cost in order to be my friend, to love me, to, to forgive me at times, and, and it's been a sacrificial effort on their part, a really godly effort on their part to uh, be with me and befriend me, but they're not Jesus. Jesus himself, if anybody could just be there to pray for you, if you could choose anyone, just dream world, hypothetical situation, you're, you are living your life as it is right now, and, and God just speaks to you and says, look, I want to send someone who can pray for you to just lift your needs up to me, someone that, that I will listen to, who do you choose to have intercede for you, to pray for you? Is there anyone, I feel like if somebody said, well, I choose Jesus to pray for me, they're kind of breaking the game, you know, it's like, well... <laughs> Yeah, okay, I didn't know we were talking about, I thought we were supposed to pick like somebody you knew in this world who loved, but if you say, I want Jesus, I want Jesus himself to pray a prayer for me and whatever's on his heart for me, whatever passion he has for my life, whatever he wants my life to accomplish, to be about, I just want him to pray whatever he would pray I'm not going to try to ask him, you know, what he could pray for or fill in some requests. I just want Jesus to pray for me. And whatever it is that he would pray, that's what I want. That's what I want him to ask the Father for. Jesus prayed for you. He prayed for us. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, through the preaching, the testimony of the apostles sent out, who made disciples, who made disciples, who made disciples through 2,000 years of church history until one day you became one of these. And he's praying for you, knowing that you would be included in this prayer, Now, what are those things then? What are those things that it was in Jesus' heart to pray for us, his church, throughout way down the line of history in his church, all those people who would believe in him through the testimony of his apostles, through their word, the gospel. What was it that he wanted for us? Before we get to that, uh, before we try to, you know, break that down with the time that we have, I, um, I want to stop again, which I feel like is something we have to do all the time. And I, and I know I do this all the time, but we have to do it, I think. and And it's this, I want to ask you, I want to invite you to lay aside this kind of Ritual, the tradition of just coming and occupying a seat, uh, saying hello to some people, maybe a cup of coffee or something like that, and and then sitting right where you're sitting, probably in the same place you sat last week. Otherwise, you're just way off, you know, and you just can't even hear anybody right now if you're not in your seat. But finding your seat and sitting right where you are and staring in this direction. And just without even thinking about it, expecting that someone's gonna stand up here and and lately it's probably gonna be me and I'm gonna have a Bible in front of me and maybe some notes or something like that. And then it's like, okay, let's see what we got. Someone's gonna teach me the Bible. And then you sit through some time, you know, 45, 55 minutes of sermon time. And then you, you take communion, sing another song. I wanna ask you, if you will, to just in your mind, in your heart, step out of the ritual. The expected, the normal, whatever it was you were anticipating, please step out of that. And now I'm going to restate the first point, which is this. Jesus himself prayed for you. And I just wanna ask you, if you would, to just allow that to be what it is in your heart, in your mind, whatever that does for you, to just know that Jesus intentionally, specifically prayed for you, prayed for us. That seems important, right? That's comforting it's comforting to know that we were on his mind, on his heart, that we were the, the, really the last kind of people, the thing, the mission that he was thinking of and praying for and bringing to the Father before the events escalated to his crucifixion. It was important to us that we receive certain things from him, from the Father, from one another, and he was asking the Father for these things. And before we uh, move forward, which we're about to do in his prayer, I just want to spoil the ending for you and just let you know that as you might expect, the Father said yes to Jesus' prayer, which you would expect, right? God the Father is listening to God the Son and God the Son full of God the Spirit is bringing petition, bringing intercession to the Father. Wouldn't you expect that the Father would go, yeah, sounds like something I want to do because it's what I wanted. In their unity here, they're participating in this ministry to us and now let's see what it was that was so important to Jesus to pray for us. I do not ask only for these, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, that they may all be one. Isn't it interesting here, this triune God ministering to the church and the first thing, the first prayer that comes forth is one of making all one, bringing everyone together that they would be one. Now, before you uh, go on and, and make that real figurative or, you know, well, he didn't literally mean one. It's not like some kind of miracle where all of us become one. Before you go down there, let me just finish his prayer. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us. So unless you're willing this morning to deny the doctrine of the Trinity, the unity of the Father and the Son and the Spirit as one, then you have to believe that Jesus is asking here for something absolutely miraculous. That we all would be one we would operate as one, think as one, move as one, desire as one, sacrifice as one, love as one, worship as one. Just as Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in Jesus. Now, why? What, why is this so important to him? I know for our sake, that we would experience this kind of unity, this kind of love and power from God as he creates all these people into one. But he says here that they also may be us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is Jesus praying for the expansion, the continuance of the church. How does that happen? the church being unified somehow, I don't understand really how this works, but it's not the first time Jesus had said this, that when the world would look at us and see our unity and our love for one another, they would somehow know that Jesus was sent by the Father. How is that? I honestly, I don't know exactly because there's no practical way you can break, oh, well, just connect these dots a 1 plus 1 equals 2, the world knows that Jesus was sent by the Father. It's a, again, it's a miracle. If we're unified, then the world looks at us and somehow knows that Jesus really was sent by the Father. I'm done breaking that text down. That's just what that is. Just according to the desire, the plan, the will of God, this is how He reveals the truth of Jesus being sent by the father through our unity verse 22 the glory that you have given me i have given to them that they may be one even as we are one i and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one now remember that's not perfectly according to our standard that's perfectly according to jesus's standard of unity Jesus was pleading with the Father that he would work in us in such a way that we would become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me." Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. This may be the most eternal statement in the whole Bible. This, This spans all that has ever been and all that will ever be. Listen to it again. Father, I desire that they also, that's us, He's praying for us, interceding for us, for our unity and so that others may know Jesus through our unity. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you've given me. That's beyond this world. That's past this life. To see Jesus in all of his glory that the Father has given him his resurrected, glorified, all-powerful self. He's asking the Father that we all would be brought where he is to witness this glory. Then he says, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus is older than everything. He was before anything else was. Father, Son, and Spirit, triune God, existing eternally before the creation of the world. The Father loved Jesus and gave him glory. And Jesus wants us to witness that glory firsthand. Firsthand. O righteous Father, verse 25, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. Isn't it interesting that Jesus prays for us in the past tense? A work already done, already completed in his mind. As good as done, we know him. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So Jesus' prayer here, let me point out three things. We've already spoken of one of them. Jesus is praying for you. That should make you feel incredibly comforted, incredibly hopeful. And here's why. Because as an entire church, and I don't just mean us, but all people who have called Christ Lord, believed in his name throughout all of history, are made into perfectly one as one bride, one organism, one church. We are witnesses that Jesus truly was sent by the Father, and we're used by him to reveal that truth to the world. And the entire course of our lives, all of us together collectively, because we are not just individual pieces we are one all of our lives are about revealing Christ and Jesus has secured that with a prayer to the Father that the Father would never say no to in fact he's been saying yes for thousands of years now he's been saying yes to this prayer I will unify them I will fill them I will use them to make myself known. The fact that all of life is about revealing Christ to us, to each other, to the world, and Jesus wants this, and Jesus asked the Father for this, and the Father said yes, should give us incredible comfort and confidence. We cannot fail in these things. Jesus asked for it. He will have it. Now, we could fail to enjoy it. We can fail at times to participate in it, but it will happen. We will be one. God will be glorified by revealing himself through us. So, now, I made a statement a minute ago that we are not just individuals. We are one. That is a very Un American ideal. In in our culture, we have this real individualism that is an ideal that we hang on to and we even moralize that to be an individual, to have this kind of independence that you don't need anyone else. In fact, it's, it's better if others need you, but you don't want to be the weak person in the position of need interdependency that's just not an American ideal but it is a richly biblical ideal that we are all one in Christ in desperate need of him in a desperate need of his ministry to us through one another we are one this meant so much to Jesus it was his first prayer for us that we would be one So are we going to fight against that? Are we going to arrange our lives in opposition to what Jesus is asking for here? Or are we going to just submit to and enjoy, receive, participate in the accomplishment of Jesus' prayer to be one? There's so many things competing against our oneness, our unity. They'll all fail. They will all fail. Take confidence in that. They will all fail. The next thing that he's asking for here is love. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that or so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Are you ever afraid that God doesn't love you? Do you ever feel somehow on the outside? Is it because you failed? Is it because you feel inadequate? You feel weak? You feel God is distant? Sometimes we feel God is distant because we've moved so far away. Sometimes we feel justified like God is distanced himself. Jesus here is praying that the love that the Father has given to Jesus that same degree of love, the same kind of passion and unity and full acceptance of love that he gave to Jesus would be in us. Not just as individuals, but all together as one, that we would be filled with God's love. And again, if you're tempted to question whether God has a kind of love for his son, Jesus, and then another kind of love for you, Jesus is asking that it would not be different, that it would be the same. So if you're going to be a Christian, like my faith is in Christ, I believe in him, I know he died for me in my place for my sins, I put my faith in him and now I receive his righteousness, he removes all my sin from me, I am eternally his. If this is your theology and you believe this about Christ and about yourself, then you have to believe that you are loved by the Father as much as the Father loves Jesus the Son. That is an overwhelming thought. And if we're being honest, isn't it kind of a hard thought to accept? We know why that's hard to accept, right? Because we know us. I know me. I know how unlovable I can be. But Jesus prayed what he prayed no matter what your experience or your perspective or your self-condemnation or anything, whatever it is you think of yourself or you think about the possibility that God could love you so comprehensively, so totally, so perpetually, as much as he loves his son Jesus, whom he raised from the dead, who's at his right hand, even now interceding, still praying, that he could love you that way We need to submit our perspective and our doubts and our fears to the prayer of Jesus himself, which is accomplished, which the Father has said yes to. This is just something that is done. So why does this mean so much to us? Why does it mean so much to me this morning? Well, first of all, uh, like I said, it, anything Jesus is asking for, we wanna pay attention to, right? Like maybe if Jesus, the, I think this probably just across the board, pretty safe to say, if Jesus wants something, we should want it, right? Not the heartiest of amens, but I'll just take it, okay. I'll just take it, this, I showed up in the right place and y'all are Christians. If Jesus wants something, we should want that. Fill in the blank. Right. Fill in the blank, whatever that is. Whatever that is. Well, here, in some of his final hours, knowing that he was about to be betrayed and handed over, beaten, mocked, spit on, lashed, whipped, accused, lied about, nailed to a cross and hung there in his naked shame for our sins, experiencing the wrath of God that was meant for us and our sin, knowing everything he's about to go through, that he asked for our unity, that we would be made perfectly one, and that we would be filled with the love of the Father. I think that's two things we should really, really want. We should really want. When we're praying for something, uh, we don't pray for it because we think it's done already, right? We think it's something that needs to be done. And so we appeal to God to do it. Here, Jesus is not praying about this um, because there's something that was just going to happen anyway. Something just natural. People just wake up in the morning and the two things that they have on, on just the, the front of their minds is just, I just desperately today want to be unified with everyone and just filled with love I don't know what it is. I was just eating my cereal. And those are the two things that every morning just naturally just arise in my heart. Jesus is praying because this is absolutely, fiercely unnatural. It doesn't happen apart from Jesus praying, the Father doing, the Spirit working. Working against the flesh and for the name of Christ in us. So Yes, we should want this. We should pray for this as Jesus prayed for this. We should arrange our lives around this. Realize our need for this. It's not just going to happen because you woke up in the morning. It's gonna happen because Jesus wants it to. It's gonna happen because it's, our desire to participate and enjoy the work that the Spirit of Christ is doing in us and through us. That's why these things happen, because they're miracles of God. I, I don't know what would happen in some strange, hypothetical, impossible situation where Jesus wants this, the Father says yes, the Spirit is in the world working, but all the Christians go, mm, nah, not interested. It just it's never happened in all of church history where all the Christians are against what God is for. I I don't know what would happen in that situation. Here's why it's never happened. Here's why it's an impossible scenario. Because Jesus wants it. Because the Father says yes and because the Spirit is moving in the world to create it, it will happen. It will happen. And I don't know what that is in me when I become very individualistic and very selfish and very myopic and nearsighted and my life's all about me and I just choose not to be about what Jesus is about. When I don't want what he wants, when I'm resisting what the Spirit's trying to do, I don't know what that weird kind of cosmic battle is that's happening in my heart. How long it'll last? Is God aware of that? Yes, of course. Could he overcome it? Yes, of course. Has he yet? No. But I'll tell you this, it's better when we agree with him. It's just better. It's better for his name, it's better for our joy, better for our peace, better for our fruitfulness, better for us, our unity, our love. It's just better. It's just better. Better than whatever it was we received from rebelling against it. From acting like it wasn't going to happen, even though Jesus wanted it to. It's just better. So, the appeal this morning is this short list to accept, according to Jesus' own prayer, how known and how loved you are by Him. Accept that. Just accept it. It's in the word of God. Again, you have to start start denying the word of God in order to not believe Jesus knows you, loves you, cares about you, thinks about you. He's been thinking about you for eternity. Next thing on our short list To seek to be unified as God desires to unify us. To seek to be truly, perfectly one. Now, I'm gonna ask you just for a second to make maybe, uh, you know, a a top three or a top five or if you're just like, maybe you got a top 10 list of things that divide you from other Christians. Things that divide you from other Christians. And when you're done making your list, either mentally or on paper or whatever, just go ahead and repent of it. Just repent of that list. The next thing on our short list, to agree with and participate in this love that the Father has filled us with. Agree with it. Participate in it. You're filled with it. We are all collectively filled with it. It defines us. It's what makes us who we are. So again, make your list. What are those things? What are those things that talk you out of loving? That talk you out of believing that you are loved by him? Make your list and then repent of it. If we were to live in this way that Jesus has prayed for, we would become increasingly countercultural and unacceptable to the world. Absolutely countercultural and unacceptable. And you know what? We would look really dumb to them, really foolish to them. Things like doormat would start being thrown around, weak. Stupid, ignorant. They want to start arguing about dinosaurs and stuff like that. It doesn't matter. The world does not understand, according to Jesus. They don't know him. But Jesus knows him, and we know him. The more we live according to, in agreement with, in participation with, The desires of Christ, the more joy we'll have, and the more unacceptable we will be to the world. I'll take that. I'll take that. So, let's take some time here to pray with Jesus. Ask him to do these things, accomplish them in the ways that only he can do. Let's pray. Lord, we are uh, we're all sitting here together in this room. Maybe all of us people who genuinely trust in you, maybe there's some of us in this room who, who genuinely don't. But in any case, Lord, here we all are. And we're sitting here with this prayer of yours for us in our laps, in our ears. And the things that you prayed for us, Lord, I just, I, I almost feel like, I confess, I, I almost feel like if I could have made your final prayer list for me, for us, I'm not sure that these would have been the things I would have asked you for, to pray for us and I'm so thankful now, in hindsight, that your ways are above my ways, that your thoughts are above my thoughts, that you are God, eternal, omniscient, and you don't need my counsel, my kind of wisdom which is foolish to you. Thank you, Lord, that you have your own wisdom. Thank you for praying for us, Jesus. Thank you for interceding for us. That feels like love for us. It feels like care and thoughtfulness toward us. Thank you that you care about us. Thank you that you care about our unity. That we would be so unified that it would be like triune unity. And thank you for caring about the love of the Father in us. Thank you that this matters so much to you. It doesn't always matter enough to me. These things don't always matter enough to us. Thank you that they matter to you. Lord, in this moment, we want to agree with your prayer. We want to ask you, if you will please, make us one, even as you, God, are one. Perfectly one. Whatever it is, Lord, the the list of things that would divide us, those things that when we're not walking by the Spirit but we're in the flesh and we're thinking with worldly thoughts and worldviews, those things that divide us and make us feel that we just can't live life together, that we just can't participate on a mission together, that, that we're just too hard to get along with or we're just too different from each other. We just can't understand One another, Lord, whatever that list of things is that comes to our minds, please, we ask you with all sincerity this morning, would you help us by your Spirit to repent of that list, to repent of that worldview, to repent of those limitations? We know, Lord Jesus, that your death on the cross poured down the dividing wall of hostility between people who had every reason to oppose one another and in place of the two created one new man. And we know that we are that one new man together in Christ. Help us to enjoy that and not fight that. And will you please help us to enjoy the love of the Father, to receive and give and believe in and trust in the love of the Father. And as always, Lord, we we don't ask for these things because we wanna have just a really encouraging morning that it's been a really hard week and we just need our pick-me-up, get our attitude straight or get a shot of energy so we can do another week. We want more than that, Lord. We want to be transformed into the image of Christ. Permanent work done in our hearts by your Spirit so that we are different people than who walked in here this morning so that the course of our lives is changed. This afternoon is different because we believe your word right now. Our relationships take a different turn. There's more forgiveness and grace and peace. Sacrificial love flowing from a genuine heart because we believed you this morning because we heard what you prayed for and we wanted it too and we asked you to do it and we set it in our hearts that we were gonna participate in and enjoy the accomplishment of your will, our unity, your love in us. Please make our lives different after today because of the things we believed and grew in belief in this morning. And will you please do it that your name would be glorified? That you would be glorified, God, for your name's sake. We want these things. Ask for these things. Agree with these things. In Jesus' name, amen.